Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes, the premier podcast on hand and upper extremity rehabilitation. As a worldwide educator and developer of best-in-class hand therapy content, Susan Weiss, occupational therapist and certified hand therapist, brings you an array of hand therapy specialists, hand care solutions, and more. Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes. I have a unique hero joining us today, Dr. Gaia Gamhege. She is the head of learning and capacity development at the World Health Organization, and she's based in Switzerland. Dr. Gaia is a dynamic and creative public health leader. She has more than two decades of international experiences. She specializes in training and leadership development. She's going to share with us today the importance of kindness and compassion. While 1.3 billion people across the planet are on lockdown because of COVID-19. So can you please give us a little history of what you've gone through with your organization? We would love to hear about other experiences that you've had that have been similar to what we're experiencing with the COVID-19. Yeah, thanks, Susan. Well, um, I'm I'm a medical doctor by training and a public health expert, and I've been uh, with the World Health Organization at its headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland, since 2001. So I'm coming on to two decades of work, and most of that time I've worked in health emergencies. So the World Health Organization is a membership organization. Every government on the planet is represented there, and uh, including the US government, every government, 195 countries. And uh, we are the international organization that's mandated to develop advice on health, knowledge on health, and support countries who can't manage uh, in health issues. So although we work from everything from maternal child health all to surgery, to clinical, to nutrition, my area has been about health emergencies. And what we call health emergencies could be disease outbreaks. Uh, it could be uh, epidemics, pandemics, um, uh, war, conflict, disasters, anything that any emergency that impacts on people's health. Uh, and my job now, and it's my favorite job ever, it's I'm head of learning and capacity building for health emergency response. Now, most of our work is in countries that are low or middle income. So countries in Africa, for example. I, I, I wonder whether you know that an African, in the African region, every three days, there is a new disease outbreak. Wow. So obviously, you know, this is day-to-day -day work. So African countries have disease outbreaks, they have other health problems, they have low uh, capacity in their system, so they really do need help. But um, a couple of examples. So everybody heard about the Ebola outbreak of West Africa in 2014 to 2015, uh, 2016. So I was a head of training there as well. We, you know, trained and, and there were lots of uh, very, exp you know, very qualified people who came from the US, from the United Kingdom, from France, you know, very specialized people, but they couldn't, they didn't know how to work in these Low, low resource settings, no water, no sewage, no air conditioning. So we were having to train people from scratch. So really I learned a lot from that. I've worked in many emergencies, um, natural disasters, wars, but this was the most profound for me 
Because if you really think about it, for two years, these countries, about three countries in West Africa, were in lockdown. Like the lockdown we are experiencing now, but for about two years, no school, the economy was stalled, people were afraid, people were dying, and there were so many uh, people coming to help, they couldn't manage this. And now as the COVID-19 lockdown started, in a way I was thinking at least now the rest of the world can sort of understand what some of these countries have gone through, not for a week or a month, but for years. And this is the reality of much of the world. Now, what we've been fortunate in is that we've not had a, um, our last big scary pandemic was 2018, right? What we call the Spanish influenza. And actually, if you look at some of the photos and some of the posters from that time, the images are the same as today. You'll see people in masks. And I actually saw a poster saying, this institution is shut down from the 15th of October, 2018 to the 20th of November, 2019. So they had a massive shutdown. And in fact, more people died from the um, Spanish flu than did from the First World War, which was at the same time. So, you know, my organization, one of our duties is to prepare for any health emergency, including a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we also have the, my director general has the power to declare a pandemic. So only the World Health Organization can declare a pandemic, can uh, advise on travel and trade restrictions. This is a situation we, we never want, but we knew it was coming because we know there are lots of new viruses, lots of new pathogens that jump from animals to people and then start infecting people. And they're scary, why? Because they're genetically new. That's why it was called the novel coronavirus. So when something is new, we have no immunity. And that's why it's dangerous. That's why influenza pandemics are dangerous. That's a new strain of the influenza virus. And this is the new strain of coronavirus. Um, unfortunately, this virus transmits from person to person and we think each person, each person who's carrying the virus can infect two to two and a half people uh, statistically. And we also know it's killing a certain population, predominantly older people and people with underlying conditions. Now, if you take a country like the USA or you take a country I'm based in Switzerland, we have an elderly population because of economic prosperity. Right. What happened to Italy? Italy, 30% of Italy is over 60. Mm. So this is a factor. Uh, maybe African countries, which don't have a large population, maybe they would be lucky in this. I, I don't know. This is just a consideration. So we have to also understand that in rich countries, we are going to be disproportionately affected because we have older people. And we have lots of people with underlying conditions, with cancers, immuno, immunocompromised people, diabetes, and so on. So uh, this is why we are, have to be careful. So my work is, uh, I've had lots of different jobs, but this current work is to provide training real time. And we have a platform called the Open WHO Platform. And actually all of your listeners can, uh, can access it, it's free. It has 120 courses in 30 languages and we're churning them out during the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. And uh, there's introductory level all the way to clinical management, to infection prevention and control. So I really invite your listeners to go to www.openwho.org and I can send you links later. And um, so my, my job is that, uh, but um, 
we have uh, many jobs as be, being a little senior now. I used to, for example, be head of uh, risk communication and corporate communication. So I've had many jobs. Uh, so, But I'm not a clinician anymore. I don't actually see patients anymore. But I help others to deal with uh, emergencies. Awesome. So one, a couple things that you touched on. Thank you for that great detailed explanation on, on your position. You, you really gave me some perspective when you were touching on some of the, the history with the Ebola and the, the Spanish influenza. And that perspective, even where you're saying now the rest of the world kind of gets to feel what those people have, those countries have felt in the past, that was that was really, really helpful for me as an individual to recognize this is how some people live all the time, especially like in Africa. So we talked about in your intro, the Wisdom House. Can you give us a little more insight on the Wisdom House and what that's about, please? Yeah, well, um, uh, as I get older, I suppose all of us, as we get older, we want to give back a lot more. So, of course, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have a job in which I can help people every day through my work in WHO. But uh, a friend of mine, a colleague and a friend, uh, we and I decided that we wanted to do something special. I've, I'm also a qualified, uh, I'm a certified coach as well. And I'm very interested in uh, people's development, leadership training. So we established a social enterprise called The Wisdom House, which brings modern psychology, neuroscience, leadership, development studies together with more ethical, philosophical backgrounds, particularly I'm a practicing Buddhist, so we, we brought in sort of non-religious aspects of Buddhism into this. And um, during COVID-19, uh, for example, we've been uh, helping people and talking to them about the, the normal reactions that human beings have to extreme stress. And, and we have to be honest, this is an extreme, unprecedented and unimaginable previously unimaginable uh, situation. Just a month ago, if you told me, you know, all schools will be shut, airlines will not fly, and uh, people won't be able to go to work, I would have laughed. And, even, and I'm somebody who's worked in this area for 20 years. So I think it is a big shock. And we are trying to find spiritual, philosophical, ethical ways of helping people to really manage themselves. So a phrase that I've loved is, you know, we're in lockdown. So if you can't go on outside, how can you go inside? And we're not talking about going inside your house, but we're talking about going inside your mind and your heart and to use this as an opportunity. So that's really my uh, my weekend work, but, it, but it's becoming a bigger and bigger passion because I'm seeing just giving dry technical scientific knowledge to people isn't enough because people are very complicated and very complex. So um, yes, I'm having a lot of fun with the Wisdom House. That's great. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check that out as will our listeners as well, because a lot of uh, uh, the listeners are occupational therapists. So we do have a lot of psychological training in our background. And I think sometimes as healthcare providers, we forget how much we have to offer them, not just our healing touch, which what we're doing clinically, but just our emotional ability to give support during this time and the ones that are going to be able to move into the telehealth services can provide that in addition to showing them what to do with their hands or their arms and but giving them that emotional support is just as valuable as the physical part absolutely susan i mean i mean you you hit the nail on the head because um 
you know, we say social distancing, but that was wrong, I think. And we're using a new term now. We are saying physical distancing, okay. but you have to stay socially connected, right? So the tele uh, services that you can give as a physiotherapy, if you can do it, absolutely do it, because there is a public health reason for the world for you to do it. It's not, not necessarily about you becoming infected, but it's really about you minimizing and slowing down the spread of this, even though you might not be affected. Mm -hmm. What we want is not to overwhelm our health services and even the health services of the richest country on the planet, which is yours, can be easily overwhelmed. And you've seen that in New York already. So I think it's really important. But going back to your point, how do we stay connected? Yes. So I, I think, you know, people come to your physiotherapist for physiotherapy. But again, people are very com complex. You, They get more than physiotherapy from you. They get that human connection. Even when there is no touch, you can be connected to people. You know, I mean, I'm feeling connected to your audience, although I've never seen them, you know, I, 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 and I probably never will. But that that is a very unique human thing. And your physiotherapist could, even if you can't do tele-consultations, um, even a call just to check up on your patients, I think would really be an act of kindness. And, and, and it will speak to how human we are. Because, you know, essentially we're mammals and mammals are the only group of animals on this planet who need uh, each other. We need each other. We depend on each other because it, it evolved because we had live young who were helpless and we needed each other's help to look after our young. And, uh, and, we, and therefore we have emotions. So, you know, if you look, reptiles don't have emotions, fish don't have emotions, but humans and other mammals have emotions. And when we are emotionally isolated, that will do more damage than the virus, than oh. the damage to the economy, than the damage to your business. So I really think this is something we should all do. Make it a point, uh, even if you can't give your full services, to have that connection, to make, just to call and say, how are you doing? And I think people will understand if you can't give physical services because this is an extraordinary time. That's an amazing tip because it's interesting in, in a hand clinic, very often you have three and four patients together and you're the therapist in the center and you kind of rotate around and there's something about the milieu that is created from those people. They're just like, they have this energy and they, they want to schedule at the same time as the other ones because they become friendly within their injuries, within their personal lives. So the psychological aspect is is very powerful. And I'm really glad you pointed out the idea of even if you're not capable of doing the teleservices or providing any services for them because of your situation, a phone call does really make a difference. And even with small things, I remember there's been times when I've had surgeries or my kids have had surgeries. And when the doctor actually calls and says, hey, just checking in, want to make sure you're okay. I, my jaw almost hits the floor because I'm like, wow, that doctor really cares. He didn't have to do that. He did it. But usually it's like, you know, nobody calls or you just wait till your follow up. And that this isn't during this epidemic or anything. It was just, it made me realize that really is powerful. So us as professionals, therapists, we can make a huge point and a difference in the people's lives just by saying, hey, I just want to check in and see how you're doing. 
So, so I'm, I'm thinking of two things when, when you speak. I think there is the old adage, which is very true. People don't care about what you know or you can do until they know you care. So you know, this, this is very important. Uh, and the other thing is you realize when you do check up on somebody, when you do, when you, when you perform an act of kindness, and this is what this is, right? You will get something back. Something will change in you. By, by being kind, by reaching out, you will get more than you give. That's something we have to really remember. And, and this is how uh, these emotions and psychology works, right? It, it's not a zero-sum game. The more you give, actually, the more you get. Mm-hmm. And, and this is how, and this is a great opportunity because we've had to stop many of the things that we're doing. So now we have time and now we have free technology, whether it's Skype or WhatsApp or Zoom or, you know, you can have your therapy circle with your four patients with Zoom, right? You can do it. And, and, and it's amazing. And the more you give, the more you will get. And, and this is how we evolve as people spiritually. Um, and I know it sounds a little hollow when people are losing their jobs. There's no income. I'm not diminishing that in any way. I'm not diminishing that in any way. But what can we do? in the reality we find ourselves, right? I mean, we have amazing frontline workers in all our countries risking their lives, trying to get this under control, uh, but all the way to the person who still collects the garbage and makes sure that you know our environment stays healthy. So it's not just the highly qualified people. So, so many people are doing things for us. So it's really our time to go inside our minds and see, okay, what's my spiritual exercise today? How, how can I become a stronger person? How can I become a stronger person? What, what example can I set? What example do I set for my children? You know, um, I think parents are spending unprecedented time with their children as well. <laughs> yes, and I do have four, so I can realize that myself. And I have really put a lot of thought into that. And I'm sure many families have. What can I teach them now? that I wouldn't have been able to teach them because they're at school and soccer and football and cheerleading. So really writing down goals for not only myself to give back to my patients and, and the world, but to my own family. So I have taken a look at my own life and, and given a great deal of thought as to what lessons can I teach them? How would somebody know if they don't have any symptoms that they're they have the virus, like if they're young and healthy and they have the virus, would the only be way to know is to test? Because what if we're spreading it to people that were around and we don't know it and we don't have symptoms? Are there any things that we can do to determine if we're carriers of it? No. And, and that's why governments have taken extraordinary measures and, and asking people to stay at home and not go to work, especially when they feel well. Right. It's a very difficult thing for any government to do. And, and the damage to our economy, we, we are all going to pay for it. But it's, it's precisely for that reason. We don't know. There is no way of knowing. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, the expert on laboratory testing, but uh, there, you could feel well and you could be still infectious. This we know. Quarantine is asking healthy people to stay home, right? So you're in quarantine. Yeah. And you're supposed to be in a household quarantine. So everybody in your house, you, you have intimate interactions so you don't need to be quarantined from each other in your own household so that's a unit of quarantine but when you go out 
you have to be careful. If you have a sneeze, you, if you don't have a, a tissue or whatever, you have to sneeze into your arm, you know, the, the crook of your arm, your elbow. Um, you have to wash your hands before you go out. When you, as soon as you come back, you have to wash for 20 seconds in case you picked up, not from a person, but from a surface. We know the virus can live on hard surfaces up to, I think I heard nine days wow. on cardboard and softer three, three days. It can live in droplets, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, the doorknobs, how can you enter a building without touching a doorknob? So that's why it's important to use uh, if you have the alcohol based uh, hand rub, but wash your hands for 20 seconds. You know, I, uh, you teach your children, you say, sing happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me at least three times. So they take their, you know, they take their time um, because that's the best way to do it. And if you have symptoms, because it can mimic you know, other, it can be the flu, it can be, if you have any symptoms that are like uh, respiratory for any reason, then you wear a mask. If you're taking care of somebody with symptoms, you wear a mask. But this is absolutely the reason why our governments have told us to stay home, because we don't know. And, uh, you know, it's an invisible, invisible threat, but it is nevertheless there. So I think uh, we are being asked to work for the greater good. So because, for example, Susan, if you get it, you'll probably be fine. It will be like having the flu for you, right? Mm -hmm. The children are not threatened. They're not the primary group, so you're not so worried, right? If this was a virus that threatened our children, we would behave in a very different way. <laughs> it's, it's true because uh, studies show the risk perception is higher in the public when something threatens children. And what's happening is this is threatening older people. So people have a different sense of danger for it. You can reasonably say, oh, well, people have lived a long life. You know, they're not uh, economically productive. There are, there are lots of uh, logical reasons not to worry so much about it. Uh, spiritually and ethically, well, that's up, up to you. But uh, the risk perception is low because of who it's affecting as well. And we think... It, we're familiar with flu and respiratory diseases. So no, the, the long answer, the short answer, the only answer is we don't know. That's why we are being inconvenienced and we are suffering in other ways in order to protect the greater good. Uh, but now that that is our reality, then, you know, we have to find tools and resources and I'll be, I'll send you a, a list of things that you could uh, share with your community. I really think, I mean, before we go, I wanted to say, I really think, um, you know, I really admire you very much for doing this. Um, and it is, this is like, this is a human being, you know, in crisis, in stress, you're still trying to find ways to be creative and help each other. So I really take my hat off to you. I think this is how we fight epidemics and pandemics. It's people. It's not vaccines. It's not testing. It's really how people uh, process this, how we react when we're under pressure that determines the future of humanity. So I really um, want to thank you and appreciate what you're doing. And, and thank you for in my, inviting me into your community. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate your perspective and your time. And it was extremely valuable for me and the thousands of people that will be able to listen to this and bring this information to their families, their patients, and you've touched a lot of lives and I, I'm very thankful. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you. Good luck. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope we beat again, but not during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Agree. Thank you for joining us at Hand Therapy Heroes. 
please email info at handtherapy.com if you'd like this summary sheet with Dr. Gaia, the resources that she did discuss. Put Dr. G in the subject or the body and we will get the info sheet to you as soon as possible. Stay safe and thank you everyone for being a part of this Hand Therapy Heroes community. Thank you for listening to Hand Therapy Heroes. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Visit handtherapy.com and register for our newsletter containing free content and courses about our fascinating hands. Hold hands today for a more functional tomorrow.